Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Say thank you really quickly to everyone who came and helped out with our Carlisle Carter, uh, Carter's funeral this weekend. Thank you so much. A lot of work, and I appreciate everyone who brought food, served. Um, it was awesome to see the people helping. And then yesterday at work day, we had people that did five and a half hours of work. Um, got here at 8.30. We finished around 2 or so. Finally, when, uh, when we left, poor Rusty Bell, our youth pastor, was still here working when we left. He was in the rain building steps. Right? So uh, I want to thank everyone who did that. Um, It takes, um, people say it takes a village to raise a child. You've heard that? Yeah, it takes a whole church to run a church. Amen? So good to have you guys here this morning. Um, if uh, you are new with us, I want to say thank you for taking the, the, the chance to worship at a new church this morning uh, with us. You can turn in your guest card over at our Thrive Central. There's a blue basket beside that flat screen TV, and you can turn it in over there. Well, go ahead and turn in your copy of God's Word to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. And we're in a series right now called Where Are They Now? uh, That you just saw the video that that came up. And we're looking at uh, people in the Bible who didn't make it. Who didn't finish well. Based on the VH1 show, I used to love this show because it would show you the popular bands from back in the day. Maybe back in the day for you was the 60s. Maybe back in the day for you was the 70s. Maybe it was even the 80s. Um, But it would show those bands or musicians or artists or actors. And then it would show where they were currently currently at. Like I had one person to inform me this week that Vanilla Ice um, is now selling real estate. I was like, awesome. Like, do you wonder where he's at? Anybody remember Ice Ice Baby? Okay, good. He's now selling real estate is what one person told me. I'm glad this sermon spurred them to go and um, research Vanilla Ice this week. These sermons are working for something. And last week we talked about Absalom the arrogant who didn't finish well. And today we're going to talk about a man named Demas that you've probably never heard of in the Bible. And it deals with departing from Christ. When I first got saved, I got saved with a group of skateboarders. I'm talking about mohawks. We had, we had leopard print hair, piercings. Um, we, were, we did not look like church kids. But we gave our lives to the Lord and I loved Jesus with all of my heart. All I knew was I once was blind and now I see. And began to serve the Lord. But many of my friends I skateboarded with did not stay with Christ. One of the reasons is we came out of drugs and alcohol and, and really hard stuff. And people will say this, I wish I had a testimony where I came out of all that. No, you don't. The best testimony is when you don't have that because you don't have that to go back to. Somebody knows what I'm saying in here. If you come out of that, there's always the temptation of that. And what happened with those guys is they fell back into it. One by one, sniped off by the pleasures and the lust and the love of this world. And I watched them fall away from Jesus one by one to only myself was left out of the 15 who gave their life to Christ um, in March of 1999. 
And today we're going to look at a man who did the same thing. Begin to serve Jesus. He looked really good. He traveled with Paul, but he didn't make it. In 2 Timothy 4.9, we're going to look at kind of what Paul does. He breaks down this guy's life here. His name's Demas. And Paul says this writing to Timothy. Paul says, make every effort to come to me soon. And I'll explain that a little later. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to or departed to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Say that five times fast. That's really hard to say. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus, that's he left his coat, and the books, and especially the parchments. Let's pray. God, this morning we ask a blessing on your word as we read it, as we go through your word. We pray, Lord, that we would not be a cautionary tale, uh, Father. Uh, of your grace. But Lord, we would be legends. We'd be the people that ended up in the hall of faith that lived for you and served you. I pray today, God, you would teach us about loving you and loving the world. Open our eyes up to the truth of being in love with you versus being in love with the things of this world. We love you. We open our minds up. We engage our minds to worship you, uh, Lord, with all of our minds right now and open our hearts up to receive your word, which is able to save our souls. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We don't know much about this guy Demas that we just read about. We do know that Demas was a companion of Paul. He traveled with him. Um, We also know that Paul puts Demas on blast. In front of everybody, the whole world, he says, Demas has left me. And we see this sad story of a man who had potential that ended up departing from Jesus and serving Jesus. And the sad thing is, the longer you follow Jesus, the more you see Demas in the church, right? The more you follow Jesus, you see this happening. People that depart from Christ, who stop following Christ. Some people flat out give Jesus the middle finger and say, I'm leaving the church, I'm leaving you, and I don't care. You've seen that, right? I had buddies like that. Other ones are secret agent Christians. The only time you know they're a believer is when they're at church. But they hide it everywhere else. At the club, they ain't talking about Jesus. Um, Without their friends partying and drinking, they ain't talking about Jesus. And you see them slowly, because of the lust of this world, depart from Christ. And see, the Bible has many examples of that. One of the most famous comes out of Genesis 25, which is Esau. Esau was Jacob's brother, and he had the birthright that was going to be given to him. Everything was going to be given to this guy. And he gave it up for a bowl of soup. He was really hungry. You seen the Snickers commercial? You're not yourself when you're hungry? That Esau wasn't himself. And um, he got a bowl of soup. He gave up his whole birthright because of temporal pleasure. And we see so many times people fall away from Jesus because there's temporal pleasures that are offered them versus the eternal purpose which God gives every believer. 
Jesus even shares with his disciples in Matthew 13, 3. The only parable that Jesus actually explains to his disciples is this one in Matthew 13, 3. And he says this. I want to read this to you. He says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched because they had no root. Now that will preach, but not today. Um, And they withered away. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. See, UFC was happening even back in Jesus' day. You could have the choke out move. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus gives the example of four types of people who surrender to Christ. The, the One of the people have the word taken from their heart. They didn't understand it. That's why it's very important that I try to preach where you can understand it. Because when people don't understand it, Satan takes the word from their heart. Others have no root and they wither away. That's another great sermon. You've got to be rooted in Christ or you'll wither away. And then Jesus gives the other cautionary tale of the one who allows the weeds, the thistles, the thorns to choke the life of God out of them. And he explains it later saying that's the cares of this world. That's the things of this world. That literally, if you've ever watched wrestling and that UFC stuff, that chokehold where they go out, you ever seen the chokehold? I've had the chokehold done on me in high school. Had a guy do that. I went straight out, went to the ground. Um, They put you in a headlock type thing and you go out within 10 seconds. That's what happens um, when you allow the cares and pleasures of the world to overtake your life. You get choked out. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.1 in his first letter this. And I love and I wanted to read this to you in 1 Timothy 4.1. You can write this in your notes. Paul says, now the Spirit expressly says, say expressly. That in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Depart from the faith. Watch this. Giving heed to deceiving spirits. Um, the real word there is seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Paul was telling Timothy in his first letter, because I believe Timothy was seeing people depart from Jesus and it was bothering Timothy. Timothy was kind of a, 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 um, a lightweight. If you, read the, if, you, if you read the stories about Timothy, he wasn't a very strong, powerful leader. He was timid. He was scared a lot. And when people were leaving the faith because of persecution, Paul began to write. And Paul said the Spirit speaks expressly. That means to Paul, when Paul was sitting there praying, the Holy Spirit kept saying to him over and over, people are going to depart from the faith, giving heed, listen, to seducing spirits, and then listen to this, to doctrines of demons. That's strong language. That means when you get caught up in, in, in what philosophers call existentialism, pleasing yourself for the sake of yourself, going after pleasures rather than Christ, you're given into doctrines of demons. See, behind those things out there that look so pretty to us, and oh man, I just, oh man, I'd love to do that and hit that. Do you understand that there's a doctrine of demons behind it? There's a, a mindset, Satan's behind those things. And Paul says people will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. That word depart there, which we're going to focus on, is the word abandon. It's almost like uh, if, if a spouse was to abandon 
their spouse. To leave them after having a uh, covenant with them, per se. To leave them, a military leader abandoning their post. To depart. And we see people in the body of Christ and we ask, where are they now? They departed. They gave, they gave in. They abandoned the things of God and began to follow the ways of the world. And I've seen that happen so many times in my life and it breaks my heart. And what I want to do is show you from the life of Demas how you can avoid this. And friends, you can see a progression. I see it, man. Like, like, like I can tell. If I, if I read your Facebook feed enough, I can tell where you're at in this progression. And it's a progression when people leave Jesus. They don't just wake up one day and leave Jesus. It's a progression. And I want to show you from the life of Demas. And we're going to look at 2 Timothy 4.9 today. And that's going to be our main passage to break down. 2 Timothy was Paul's second letter to Timothy. I'm sure you got that. But what's unique about 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter. Paul is in a prison in Rome. Only time knew when he would be executed for serving Jesus. And Paul was worried. Paul was worried for the church. He was scared. Um, if you notice in some of his verbiage here at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul's lonely as well. Paul, just like Jesus, faces people in his worst time abandoning him and leaving him. And as we read this here, you're going to watch Paul share some things with Timothy. He's going to open his heart up to Timothy and he's going to put some people on blast. You know it's serious when you start tagging people on Facebook, right? That's immature, don't do it when you are saying bad stuff. But Paul tags them in the Bible. Literally, if, if you could do tagging, this is like eternal tagging because it's still here. We're still reading about it today. And I want to show you what Paul is saying here. He says to Timothy in verse 9, make every effort to come to me soon. Isn't that a sense of urgency that, that you hear there? Well, number one, if you study that, winter's coming. And they didn't have central heat or gas heat like we have here. It was cold. It was cold in that prison. Paul was not only lonely, but Paul was cold. And you'll understand why later he needs his coat, and we'll talk about that. He says, come to me soon. This is Timothy, probably his closest companion besides Luke. He says, for, the reason I need you to come to me, is Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Think about deserting. That's like if your car breaks down the side of the road and you've got a buddy with you. And you need his help and you can't get the car fixed unless he's there. And he walks about 10 feet down and waves the car, hops in and drives off, rides away. And you're left by yourself. That's what happened to Paul. He deserted me. And watch this. And he has gone to Thessalonica. We're going to focus on, on that today. Then he says this. Crescens has gone to, to Galatia. That's all. I never heard of Crescens before till this. You never read about Crescens again. But Crescens deserted Paul. He's naming these people to Timothy. And then watch this. Look how crazy this is. Titus goes to Dalmatia. Titus has a, a letter written to him. Right? Have you read that letter? The, 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 the letter to Titus. Titus even departs. Things are getting bad in the church in the first century. Persecution's mounting and Titus also leaves. You can feel the loneliness that Paul says. And then he says, only Luke is with me. Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. He says, pick up Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for service. If you remember earlier in the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas split ways because of this dude named Mark. 
Paul's like, he is worthless. He is no good. Leave that joker where he's at. Barnabas is like, no, I'll take Mark. And Barnabas mentored Mark. Now Paul's saying, you know what? The one, he's the one who wrote Mark. He's good. Bring him back to me. He's useful for service. Maybe he was just desperate. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what loneliness does to you. It's like the person who you never wanted on your team, you then bring them on to your team. He says, but Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. That's a very powerful church, one of their, their biggest churches. He says in verse 13, when you come, bring the cloak which I left at Tro- Troas with Carpus. Bring my coat. It's getting cold. And then he says this here, and the books, especially the parchments. That's the scriptures. That's the, that's the Old Testament scriptures. That's the New Testament letters that were circulating. Paul in his final days, this is so beautiful, wants to read the Word of God. In his final days, he wants to, to read the scriptures. And you can almost sense there that Paul knows it's coming soon. As I said before, we don't know much about Demas. All we know is Paul says... Demas has forsaken him, has departed from him. I mean, think about this. Demas saw the miracles that Paul did. Demas saw the things in the book of Acts that we read about. He was there to witness them. Demas traveled with him. He heard the teachings of the apostle Paul. And for some reason, he decides to leave all that. And go his own way. He departed for Thessalonica. And I believe that there's a progression we see that Paul gives us here. And every one of us can avoid that if we look at Demas' life. And I want you to look at, at, at uh, verse 10. And you'll write the first point in your notes. And verse 10 is, he loved the world. He loved the world. Verse 10 says, for Demas having loved this present world. For Demas having loved this present world. It means a continual action that is increasing. Having loved this present world. And if you notice, if you read back a few verses, Paul speaks about those who love Jesus' appearing. Meaning the second coming of Christ. In verse 8, Paul speaks about people who cannot wait for the second coming of Christ. Who are waiting for Jesus to split the eastern sky, right? And then in verse 9, he contrasts that with those who love the present world. If you're in love with the world, you will not be ready for Jesus to come back. You're like, yeah, that's real great, but uh, how about, uh, you know, next month? How about next week? Because you know what? I got some things to attend to. I'm not ready yet. And he uses Demas as that example. See, Demas, is name even meant popular. And a lot of times when you follow popularity, young people, you end up falling in love with the world. You end up falling in love with the things of the world. And he uses this word, having loved. That word love means agape. That's the Greek word. Meaning that I will sacrifice for this. You follow me here? Are y'all with me? Check this now. Either you agape Jesus or you agape the world. That means you have a choice as a believer. Either you're going to follow the lust and pleasures of the world and say, Jesus, do your own thing. Or you're going to follow Jesus and say, the world can keep what it has. But you can't hold on to both. There's a stark contrast here that we see in the life of Demas that Paul is warning Timothy about. He loved the world. And let me say this, you'll have a choice in life to follow God-ordained purpose and potential or follow pleasure. It's always that choice. You have, it's like Morpheus has two pills here, right? 
Some of y'all remember that from the 90s. Some of y'all have no clue what I'm talking about. Teenagers, it's called the Matrix. Young people, if you're in here. You can follow Christ and the potential and the purpose that he has. Or you can follow pleasures. But you can't follow both. And let me give a disclaimer. I'm not saying that you can't have fun as a Christian. Because I have lots of fun. I have more fun than you all. My wife and I enjoy life. But there's a difference in enjoying life through God and enjoying life apart from God. And if you have to have your pleasures apart from Jesus, if Jesus can't hang out with you while you're having fun, then it's not godly pleasure. Let me just say that. If Jesus can't be there sitting with you, if, if he's at the door knocking, as I said in the worship service earlier, and you're like in there gambling, you're like, nah, man, we're playing poker, bro, bro, I don't want, we're drinking and swearing and, and giving dirty jokes, I don't want you in here, then that's worldly pleasure. That's how you can put the litmus uh, test to that. One of my favorite songwriters, and I put this on Facebook last night, was Keith Green. And, and is there anybody, any Keith Green fans in the house? I know Bob Ewens is. We got one, two. Okay, y'all have, y'all have no clue what good Christian music is. Keith Green pushed the limits in the late 70s and early 80s. Look him up. He died in a plane crash at 28 years old. Um, but the songs he wrote were like powerful and convicting. And I used to listen to this as a, I mean, this is like 70s, like Elton John type sounding stuff. And I was a punk rocker, but I loved some Keith Green. My friends thought I was crazy. But I love what his lyrics said. And one of his songs is called You Love the World. And listen to the lyrics that he gives in this song. Powerful. He says, and it's God speaking to us. Imagine God speaking to us. And here's how I use this song. He says, I want you here with me, but you've been keeping other company. It's so plain to see that you love the world and you're avoiding me. So you don't hear that on Christian radio, do you? My word sits there upon your desk, but you love your books and magazines the best. You prefer the light of your TV. You love the world and you're avoiding me. Someone say, oh me. (laughs) You can't say amen to that, right? I love you still more and more, but you are fighting everything I am working for. You're acting like my enemy because you love the world and you're avoiding me. That's powerful lyrics there. And I believe that it puts into perspective what Demas was doing. He loved the world and avoided Christ. I I remember when I first got saved, I was struggling with a substance addiction. And I was sitting there and, and I picked it up. And I remember the Lord, as clear as day, impressed upon my heart. Do you love me more than you love these? I'll never forget it. I mean, it was like I could just sense the Lord. I just got saved. And I knew at that point that, that it was either I love these or I love Jesus. And that was just for me. I'm not saying that to you. That was for me. And I had to put them down and never touch them again. The Lord put that in my heart. There's a story, a cautionary tale of a young man named John. I won't give his real name out. But while I was in youth ministry uh, back in the 2005 uh, time, 2004, 2005, I had a young man named John who was a dynamic man of God. 15 years old. John led worship. John even preached on a Sunday. John led small groups. John was leading prayer groups at his school. John was what we call on fire, right? We use that term a lot. But over the course of time, I noticed as I was mentoring John, John slowly began to love the things of the world, and he, was, he would hide those things. He would come in, you know, and, and you know, like, hey, bro, you, you know. I mean, he's 15. He's like, hey, man, I can smell the cigarette smoke on you. Are you okay? No, man, I ain't, I ain't done none of that. 
His friends would come and say, hey man, you know, John's been sneaking liquor into school when he's drinking. Or John stayed out, you know, this girl, and they, 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 they snuck out. And slowly I watched John, who was on fire for the Lord, serving the Lord, end up three years later addicted to crack cocaine. And he was a shell of himself. When I looked at him, it was like you weren't talking to a real person. Somebody who was lively and teaching. He was like, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, okay. yeah, I'm cool. Yeah. Dead. Dead behind the eyes. And the sad thing is, just like Demas, he allowed the love for the world to overtake his love for Jesus. And Demas did the same thing. That's why only one out of three Christians actually finished well. It's because sometimes we can allow the pleasures of the world to overtake us. The first thing Demas did, Paul says, was he loved this present world. Here's the second thing to write in your notes this morning. It's also in verse 10. He deserted key relationships. Write in your notes, he deserted key relationships. And Paul says that he has deserted me. Demas not only allowed the pleasures of this world to grip his heart, but he deserted these key relationships that fed his life. Paul was his mentor. Paul was someone who poured into his life. And Demas separated from that relationship with Paul. He broke away from that relationship with him. See, the second phase that happens is you start loving the world and the things of the world become really good to you and you're loving it. And then what you do is you start leaving key relationships that speak truth into your life. That's what John did that I said earlier. You didn't see John as much. John didn't make accountability meetings. John had his own agenda that was going on and that's what Demas did. He deserted the very relationship that fed his life. And I believe one of the reasons that I've been able to stay even somewhat sane and consistent in my walk with the Lord is key accountability relationships. I have men of God in my life who have and who do say, you can't, don't do that. How's your life going? How are addictions going in your life? To speak real to me. And they'll tell me if I say something stupid. It may not be unbiblical. It may just be stupid. And I allow that into my life. See, see some people here, some of y'all have none of that in your life. You left that a long time ago. You don't want anybody saying anything to you about your life. Don't you judge me. Right? Only God can judge me. Don't worry, he will, honey. But we're all going to face the judgment one day. All right, Bubba, he, he is going to judge you. Don't worry. We will all stand from the judgment seat of Christ. That's not a problem. But when you leave those key relationships that speak into your life, you begin that progression to fall away from the Lord. There was a cruel experiment done in the 13th century by Emperor Frederick. He wanted to find out what was the real language of man. Was it Latin? Was it Greek? Was it Hebrew? He wanted to find out. So here's what the emperor did. He took several infants from birth and had wet nurses to vow silence that they would never say a word to those babies. Nobody could ever speak to those, those, those infants. And the, the nurses went in there and never said anything. And several months later, all of those infants died. Because they had no relationship. They had no voice in their life. No one to help them. No one to share with them. They never heard the power of a human voice which goes a long way. We don't know a lot about Demas, but we know he was important enough for God to inspire Paul to write to us about him. And Paul says, not only has he loved the world, but he has deserted me. 
He has abandoned me in prison. Here's the third and final point this morning. How do you get to that place where you are on the spiritual show? Where are they now? And the third one is this. He says he's deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. The third point is this. He departed for comfort and security. He departed for comfort and security. Write that in your notes here. He departed for comfort and security. See, I don't know what Thessalonica was for him. I'm not sure if that was his home. I'm not sure if he had a good job waiting on him. I don't know if it was to hide from the Romans and the persecution. But he departed for Thessalonica. And for him, Thessalonica was comfort and security. See, us in here, we have comfort and security. And it's so easy when you're following Jesus and you begin to love the world and leave relationships to begin to live a life of comfort. Can I tell you something? It's much easier to not serve Jesus than it is to serve Jesus. It really is. I mean, you can go do what you want to. There's no accountability. There's nothing there. It's really easy to to live at a place called Thessalonica. Because in Rome, that's where all the persecution was happening. They were cutting dudes' heads off. They were slaughtering Christians. And Demas said, I don't want nothing to do with this junk. I mean, it wasn't like I got to wake up early and serve. I mean, he was going to get killed. Right? I mean, we again, we have first world problems in here. You mean I got to get there and park cars in the cold? Okay, park cars in the cold or get your head cut off. Um, How many would take cars any day, right? But Rome was the place where all that was happening. Paul was in Rome and and Demas said, man, I'm going to Thessalonica. I am departing for the path of least resistance in my life. I don't want to have suffering. Do you understand that all who live godly, do you hear that? Godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I have never heard a TV preacher quote that promise to you. I receive all the promises of God. I'm glad you do because he promises that if you live godly, you're going to have suffering. You won't send an offering to that dude on TV with a three-piece suit if he tells you that, will he? Will you? But you got to understand something. That as believers, when you face suffering, because Jesus said you're going to face it. When you face suffering, Jesus gives divine purpose to that suffering. Paul's Paul's suffering was not in vain. He didn't depart for Rome. He didn't leave. You know that Paul didn't even have to go to Rome. He kept appealing to Caesar. They're like, dude, you're a Roman citizen. We can get you out of here. You didn't got to do this. No, I want to go to Caesar. Because he wanted to make an impact for the gospel. Whereas Demas departed for Thessalonica. You will always have the option for comfort and security. You will always have that. Or you can opt out for serving Jesus and going through some tough times in your life. You will always have Thessalonica. And people who end up with, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? You always look, end up loving the world, deserted key relationships, and then departed for comfort and security. The thing about suffering is this. And I spoke with a lady yesterday and just shared her testimony for 10 minutes with me. And the beautiful thing about her testimony was how God met her and shaped her through suffering. That's what I got from it. It wasn't like, she didn't give me the testimony, well, I got a Mercedes and I had a three-story house and, um, you know, gold watches and singing angels. She She said, I lost everything and in that I found the Lord. 
In my suffering, God shaped me. And Demas went away from suffering. He, he said, I don't want that suffering stuff. I'm going to go for the path of least resistance. I'll never forget when, 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 I, when I went to Bible college, I worked three jobs, did youth ministry. I was taking Greek, and I literally thought I was going to have a stroke. No, seriously, like this vessel, I don't know what it is. My wife's not here at this service. It, it just began to, to like, you could feel it. And I was like, I, and, and I literally sat in my room and had an emotional breakdown. It was just so much. I remember getting up and be like, dude, this is stupid. And I went to the library to study Greek. And it was raining. I'll never forget it. And I was walking with these books. And the Lord laid on my heart. He said, Kevin, he said, if you want an uncommon future, it takes an uncommon preparation. Which is going to require uncommon suffering that you're going through. And I continued to serve the Lord and go through what I was going through and go through that. And God shaped me in that time. See, when you depart for comfort and security, you will oftentimes leave the ability to be shaped by God. See, Paul understood this, which Demas didn't. And you know what Demas represents? The American Christian. Do you know what Job said? I'm closing here. Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. For the Lord gives and help me. The Lord, some of y'all like, you couldn't even do it. The Lord gives and the Lord, but Job said what? But blessed be the name of the Lord. Matt Redman didn't write that, Job did. I know y'all sing that, that's a cool song. Job wrote it when he lost everything. And a lot of times when it comes to suffering, we believe God's good only when he gives us stuff. We believe God's good when everything rains down on us. Rain it down, Lord. But God's good when he takes it away. And just like Paul, you're sitting in a prison. People have deserted you. And you're staying on path and on course for what God has for your life. Blessed be your name, Lord, when you give and you take away. Imagine the testimony of what Demas could have had. He could have said, Luke and Demas are with me. Close with this story here. There's a, a girl I'll call Sarah. And I'll never forget when Sarah gave her life to Christ in student ministry. She was 16, 17 years old. The most popular girl in her high school was the head cheerleader. And had only nominally kind of followed Christ. Went to like youth group every now and then. And kind of went to church every now and then. But she really gave her life to the Lord. Surrendered her life to Jesus at 16, 17 years old. And she ended up leaving the cheerleading squad. I didn't tell her to do it. I said, ah, you know, pray about that. Because she said, you know what? I just feel that it's totally antithetical to what Jesus wants me to do. And the things that go on there, I don't need to be a part of it. And she, the head cheerleader, most popular girl in the local high school, left the cheerleading squad. I guarantee the cheerleader, cheerleading lady probably did not like our youth ministry at that point. She began to lead small groups for girls. She would be the one that, that, that during a worship service was going on, she was one of our prayer counselors. She had, you know, I'll never forget, she prayed for one girl. And it impacted her. So, the girl was a Buddhist. Impacted her so much. She was like, man, I didn't want to come back to church because I knew Jesus was real when she prayed for me. That's powerful. And that girl today is still serving Jesus the one she prayed for. And the other day, um, and she even preached and taught a really awesome young girl. Another day I was digging through some of my books 
and I found a journal because the students had turned their journals in. They journaled through scripture, which I taught you Wednesday night. I found her journal and I looked at it. She's talked about how much she loved the Lord and his love for her and, 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 and all this good. I mean, it's just good stuff. Sad thing is, she had a, a choice to go to a Christian university or to a secular university. And her parents put pressure to go to the secular one. There were upstanding business people who wanted from this school. And the girl ended up going there majoring in promiscuity, drinking, and partying. She totally left Jesus. Wouldn't even step, a, step foot in church anymore. And walked away. And we, we showed love to her. And this girl with all this potential ends up departing for her Thessalonica. Departing for her place of comfort and security. How does that happen? She loved the world more than she loved Jesus. She departed and deserted key relationships in her life and then she left for the place of comfort and security. It broke my heart to read that journal of a young girl who loved the Lord and then chose to walk away from Jesus. This morning I, I want to share this with you. You may feel like you're 30,000 steps away from God, but do you understand you're always just one step away from Him? I don't care what you've done. I don't care what happened last night. You're always one step away from Jesus. You don't have to walk 30,000 back. That's a beautiful thing about grace. It's not like you walk 30,000 in the opposite direction and you're in Thessalonica. And you're like, well, I guess I got to walk 30,000 back before I can get right with Jesus. You're always one step away from Him. And I don't know what happened to Demas. I don't know if Demas ended up receiving God's grace. I don't know if Demas ended up serving the Lord in his latter years. I don't know what happened. Church historians don't know what happened. But I do know that every one of us has a choice today. You are still writing the story. The book is not written yet for you. And you can be the one that Jesus says, Dude, he stuck with me. Life was tough. It was difficult. But on his last breath, he was still serving me. She was still serving me. And you may feel like, man, I'm so far from God. I've done so many stupid things. And there's no way. But the book is not written for you yet. And today you have an opportunity and a chance, listen to me, to change the course and direction of your life. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes in here.